From my point of view, within the last few days, I've just now come to, to realize how big of a deal this is. Yeah, because you've been, so first of all, you've been out of town. So you just got back today. Today, I mean, this is, most places, are, <laughs> most places are totally locked down and you just flew on a plane across the, the country to get back home. So one of the busiest airports in the country. Wasn't that busy today though, right? And it wasn't that busy. It was actually a little eerie. I don't like it, but for from for, for certain things about it, I didn't like. But we'll get into we'll get into that. But yeah, the last few weeks, I might as well have been under a rock because all I did was go to work, come back to the hotel. My life was like just in the dark. Because for some context, this was like a pretty extreme couple weeks of work for you. You got shipped to a different location for your company, right? Because there was like a high stakes, immediate need some a, assistance. It planned like. All right, we're going to go. There's this work going on. It's very extensive, but you're going to go there for a couple of weeks. Oh, I volunteered to go for a couple of weeks to, to help support this effort. Uh, and it was already planned. It considered essential work, so I got all the approvals to, to waiver because the company itself was under a travel ban, so to speak, of any non-essential travel. They get approval from many layers of management and like, yeah, I, I was told you need to go. And in the and in the eyes of the country, what you were doing yes. is essential as well. It's like essential infrastructure yes. work. This is this is this is not yeah. like it's not like GameStop. So, because yeah. <laughs> you know that was going around is uh, apparently the executives at GameStop told all of their their stores that uh, they had to stay open, and the retail workers had to keep showing up because they considered GameStop to be an essential. Uh, retail location. I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's wild. They were taking it pretty hard in the shins because a lot of people were like, well, that is insane. Yeah. There's already a lot of people who hate GameStop, so that just added to it. But anyways. GameStop gets squeezed. They're squeezing their employees. That's that's a little extreme. But so you legitimately had an excuse to be traveling. And so to give give a little more perspective for you, my only connection to like the world during this time was my phone. And I wasn't really using my phone. My screen time plummeted. Is the all-time low. This phone might as well be in the box because the only time I used it was to talk to a few people and before I went to bed or early enough in the morning. Because I work, basically, didn't even use the phone throughout the day. So it was like maybe one to two hours a day of phone time, screen time, where it's typically a lot more than that. I got one note that says your screen time is down like eighty percent. I'm like, oh, wow. oh, it's just like the stock market. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I I get these alerts from some of my accounts. I look at things and I'm like, whoa, this is a drastic impact on like my accounts. Anyway, I'll get that. But but the last few days I was getting really panicked because I I'm just, I was just now realizing what was going on. I thought there was a real chance that they were going to ground all the air travel and everything and that you wouldn't even be able to get back home. One of the managers came by and said, look, yeah, I, you know, you can stay in my basement if you want. <laughs> and I straight up just laughed at him because I thought he was being silly. And later that day, I found out that all restaurants, bars, hair salons, barbershops, tattoo parlors, everything closed. And that, like, as time would progress... Things like hotels or or other places would just shut down. Already, the hotel that I was staying in closed all of their 
like amenities down, and it was just through your room. You like the gym, yeah, pool, so, like gym, stuff. pool. I didn't have time to do any of that stuff anyway, but it was all done. So and then uh, more, more and more people were offering their their homes as like, hey, if you need to like stay here, like you could, we'll find you a place to work. Like you could got an office, like you can stay as long as you want. If you can't fly out the day i left la is when the world started to like end and i didn't know it until like a week later the timing was it was right like as as this was starting to get really serious and i i, I felt like the world was just collapsing like I'm, I'm walking away from just explosions and not even knowing what was going on until like oh, i'm getting ready to come back all right as i'm making a grocery list i'm talking to uh to, to, to people and i think i called you and you're like yeah, good luck. You're not finding any of that here. So I started to panic because I didn't know what state things would be in and whether I could fly or not. So I packed a bunch of protective <laughs> gear that is like industrial grade. You brought back some PPE with you. I, I brought back some like le- legitimate PPE that if I if, if I wore that stuff, which I was very close because I had it in my, my carry-on, I think I, think I would have been like taken aside and maybe locked in a room. Could they really? I, I, I don't know, man. It would. It would. Lo- it would. It would have looked way too suspicious. Like I think it just would have looked like you were paranoid. I think I would have stood up some more alarm. I was worried that someone would see my mask and be like, "Why do you have that? I want that," and would try and kill me for it. <laughs> I don't think we were quite there yet, but that that crossed my mind. Oh, yeah, because it's hot. That's a hot commodity. Right now, your situation was only slightly better than what I heard from a couple people. There's a couple of famous people. Jared Leto was one of them. That he was away on a, a meditation retreat when <laughs> <laughs> all this stuff, when it really hit the fan, and he came back from the meditation retreat. I think like a week ago or something, and it was like, oh my god, what is going on? And the thing is, I actually had that thought as everything was starting to unravel. I was like, you know there's somebody doing something like that someplace who's just totally out of the loop, at a retreat, silent retreat, at a cabin, on vacation, something, and they are just going to come back to a shitstorm. So I've heard a couple it's examples crazy. of that. So my, I was talking to my mom and dad, and my mom's already prone to overthink and worry. And I spoke to her one day, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, this no big deal, like, just brush her off. And then a couple of days later, I called her back and I was, she was oddly calmer than I was, although I, I, I tried not to show it really because I was getting all freaked out because my flight was still on schedule. And worst case, I thought, well, if we get in this plane and, and it takes off and then something happens. You're in the air. Where it cannot land. Oh. And we're just in the air. Like, well, that Unlikely, but that's, that's some of the things I thought about. It's possible that uh, there could have been something where like LAX would get shut down and then maybe you would have had to have been diverted to somewhere else. That, that's within the realm of possibility. Because I know just within the past day or two, there was an incident at uh, one of the New York airports, either LaGuardia or JFK, and they grounded all of the flights there for, I, I don't know, some number of hours or something until they decided it was safe again. So That makes sense. If you told me that story... Two weeks ago, I would have said you're crazy. People are going crazy. Now that I've learned these things about what's really going on and the potential impacts, I think, I think that's, that's not, to me, that's not an overreaction. Just because the potential severity of spreading the disease. And- oh, I mean, it's super clear at this point that we underreacted yeah. as a country weeks ago. And uh, 
that's the latest where we're at. That's the problem. Because of Corona, a lot of the businesses have gone to just drive-through only. Sure. And I don't mind drive-throughs, but whenever I go through, especially if I'm in Northwest Ohio, my accent brings out some complications. And I hate talking on the phone for food orders. I don't like to, like the in-person thing is much better for me because I can point out the picture. Or like, is and I, you also often even give a, a fake name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a fake English American name. When I realized the world was ending, I'm like, what, I, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to eat? Everywhere's closed. There's still a few places that are serving food, but the world's ending. So I got to... And you're on a business trip, yeah. so it's not like you have a pantry or anything. You're staying in a yes, hotel. Yes, I'm staying in a hotel with a microwave and a fridge. That's it. You're lucky at least you had a place with a microwave and a yes, fridge, I guess. Yes, I'm lucky about that. So my mind went to, well, this is going to be my, one of my last few meals. I'm going to make it count. What haven't I had that I really wanted to try? And earlier that day... Or earlier that, that week, a friend and I were talking about Popeyes. Okay. And he tells me, he got, she goes, he was shocked that I hadn't tried the chicken sandwich yet. This is the chicken sandwich that people were practically the killing each other chicken over. chicken sandwich. He's like, dude, when you have that, it'll change your life. So this evening, I said, I'm going to get this sandwich because the world's ending. I don't know when I'll have a chance to do it again. So I go through the drive-thru, and there's like eight cars at Popeye's. I was in the mood for a chicken sandwich, so I drove by Chick-fil-A. There's like 100 cars there. I wasn't into that because I was already hungry. So I go to Popeye's, and there's eight, like eight cars. And it took about 30 minutes to move along. It's real slow. So I thought, this, is, this has to be worth it. If people are waiting this long, it's got to be worth it. And when I get to the window, so I try to speak very loudly, very clearly, like I want chicken sandwich and then because I was really hungry I'm like I want to get some tenders so they had a couple options so it was like a crispy spicy whatever I think mild crispy or what they called blackened so I said right, let me get the blackened ones and this guy said naked and then just stopped talking and I was like yeah so I said I don't know what naked means but the, the one that says blackened on here and then it was just silent for like 30 seconds Goof. And I'm not making this up. It was a very awkward encounter. And the guy responds back to me like I was being crazy. And I said, look, man, there's, there's no word naked on here. I don't know what that means. If it means blacker, then sure, I'll try that. But I, like, I've never gotten it before. So it was just a very odd, weird encounter. I think my accent had something to do with it. Because, Probably did. he had no idea what was yeah. going on. So I get, the, I get the food, drive back to the hotel. And it is the best chicken sandwich oh. ever. Okay. Worth, I was worth stabbing so amazed by the sandwich. I would have waited a lot longer. I ended up getting it again. Oh, okay. It was that good. I skipped the tenders. Those, those weren't as exciting. No naked tenders? No naked blackened tenders. One, they weren't really naked, or they weren't, like, they weren't blackened. So I don't well, know. Were, they, were they grilled? They was were there like, breading on them? They were like pseudo-grilled, pseudo-fried. What does that even mean? It looked like a combination of something that was grilled and fried with like a little bit of like some, some sort of coating, like a crispy coating, but it wasn't breading. Mm. This is irrelevant. Okay. Skip, skip those. Just don't even worry about that. The main thing is the chicken sandwich. Get that sandwich. chicken sandwich. Okay. It is, it's phenomenal. So better than Chick-fil-A? Better than, oh, Chick-fil-A doesn't have anything. Okay. Wow. Compared to this. This is this is a, a delicious chicken sandwich. I'm I'm against people killing and stabbing each other, but I can understand why. This it's that good. Okay, it's that good. Well, what was it about it? Just the was everything. 
Uh, let me start now. So, first, like, it comes just in a paper bag. It's very minimalistic. Okay. It's a paper bag, like one of those foil-lined little bags. Not even a box. So there's, a, like, a level of um, desperation to it. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not, you're not trying to be fancy. Just okay. a chicken sandwich. That's it. That's what I mean. It's not trying to be anything that's not. When you take it out, it's got to take a, a good... Good sized piece of chicken, like hanging over the bun. Not grease, bun's not greasy or anything. It's nicely toasted. Pickles were really nice, big. So what's actually on? Slices. What's on this sandwich? Just pickles? Like the spicy mayonnaise sort of sauce, pickles, and chicken. Okay, that's it. I can appreciate the simplicity of that. And it's just that's it. It was so. It was very spicy. I enjoyed it. I well, should. Well, great. So yeah. if, if you don't make it through this. Then at least you had that chicken sandwich. Life's not so bad. <laughs> I called Shalisha, you know, my sister, other family members. I'm like, you got to try this sandwich. Like that's like you could you could risk a, you know, a corona for it. <laughs> it yeah. is worth risking coronavirus yeah. to get one of these chicken sandwiches. It is all right. Yeah, so I'm gonna do you some more it, panic. Yeah. Anyone who hasn't tried that Popeye is like, they got my vote. It's good. If if we. I'm glad you said what you said earlier on with your meal or food restrictions during an apocalypse time has like you you're waving those laws or like you're bending those laws. Oh yeah, that's all. I mean, yeah. this is this is no time. So, I think I've said before on the show that, you know, I'm kind of uh I have certain policies with regards to food because you know, what I think is uh ethical or unethical, right? So as as like as an example of that, I the eggs that I get you know they're they're pasture raised uh chickens and all that kind of stuff and try to get sustainable wild seafood blah 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 that's all that's all out the window right now we're done because we're 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 at just uh, survival i I need to make sure that i get food because while while you were gone on this uh business trip i i was following everything super closely and i went shopping to get some food before people really understood how serious this was and before the lockdowns and all that. So I, I did have some food, but I forgot to get toothpaste. And I was out of toothpaste. And so I was like, oh, so I got to go back out to get this toothpaste. So I, I was literally right at the end of the, the tube. And I was like, I, I can't make it much longer. So I had to go back out. I thought, well, since I'm going back out to get toothpaste, maybe I'll also top off the food supply and even get a little bit more of that. So first I went to Costco and the line for Costco was it was like around the building this is practically line was like to the next neighborhood I, I swear i would have had to have waited for like hours just to get into the store that's how long this line was so i didn't even get out of my car i drove to the parking lot i saw that i drove back out so then i drove to ralph's which is similar to kroger it's owned by the same company uh in case you don't live by a ralph's so it's just a pretty standard grocery store so i drive over to ralph's same thing there's a line out of the store going all the way down the sidewalk for a ways people are all queued up just to get in the store and i was like all right well this isn't viable either so then i drive to target and there was no line just to get into the target so i'm like all right this is promising so i get in the target and then i realize why there's no lines because all the food is gone there's <laughs> <laughs> like almost nothing there there was bananas and not a whole lot else but fortunately i was able to find toothpaste but even the kind of toothpaste that i wanted to get was out but i got a backup toothpaste from the same brands so like all right so i got my toothpaste i couldn't believe it though. i've never seen anything like it i mean just 
empty shelves. Uh, just as an example, it's like the aisle that has milk. And so you have all these refrigerated uh, sections in the aisle. The whole thing was empty. The only thing that there was in there was like there was a little bit of like creamers or something. Uh, but every single kind of milk, gone. Every kind of fresh, fresh food, basically. Done. Nothing. Wow. And I've, n- I've never seen anything like that. It was, it was crazy, man. That is crazy. And so, so then I got back home and I, uh, I turned on the local news, on, like on the actual TV with the antenna, which I never do. I usually don't, don't watch you know, the actual TV, but I turned it on because I, was, I wanted to look at the local news and see what they're saying. And sure enough, like pretty much the whole news was them bouncing between reporters who were stationed at grocery stores talking about how long the lines were and like interviewing people waiting in line and then chastising people who were coming out of the grocery store with what the reporters felt like was too much food. Some Somebody comes out of the store and they've got this and then you've got the reporter, they're right there on live TV and they're like shoving a microphone in these people's faces saying like, it looks, it looks like you're buying too much food here so other people aren't gonna be able to have food. What do you have to say for yourself? It, almost as if they're like, you know, some public figure or something, right? And I thought like, well, this is... Like, on the one hand, I understand why people people don't want hoarding of food and all that kind of stuff. But also it feels like this is a little bit... This is crazy. Crazy, and it's kind of hard to blame people for wanting to, you know... Yeah, take care of your family. Like, you don't I'm, know, like, what's normal. They could have nothing at home. Like, like my case. Yeah. Before I left, like, the month before leaving, I... I got rid of all my stocks of food, like even the dry food in the pantry, just because like, I thought, wow, I don't want to go shopping and buy things if I'm going to leave for a long time. Plus, it's like, how do you even go shopping at Costco and not make it seem like yeah. you're hoarding food? That's like the whole point of going there is that you get these huge quantities of food and everything. So I thought that was a little bit stupid. But yeah, so they, it is wild. And I don't think even when we come out of this, it's not going to go back to normal of how it was. Like those days are over for many for many things in the world. Well, yeah, I mean, and and I I was able to go to uh, Costco a few days after that to get some stuff, and they were still out of toilet paper, paper towels, and even a lot of food things. Eggs, there were no kinds, no eggs. I tried to get some more frozen vegetables, none. We need to buy a chicken. Like a live chicken? A live chicken. Where are we going to put it? We'll find, we'll find a way. <laughs> Maybe two chickens. Uh, Just for eggs. All right, you lead that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's my, my good friend, the TSA. Yes. They have now changed the rules so that you can take like a full-sized uh, hand sanitizer can, container onto a plane. So apparently that's no longer a uh, a threat. Yeah. It turns out that when there's a virus going around, suddenly it's safe to to have a full container of hand sanitizer, whereas it wasn't when there wasn't a virus. So it was a media threat. Like now the threat is neutralized, and you can bring all the hand sanitizer. Because as 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 we know, you can't have a terrorist attack during a pandemic because that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting this is getting a lot. <laughs> uh, I will say, like, speaking about the TSA, my flight experience, even from LA to Detroit, I thought that was a great flight because uh, when I got onto the plane, this is at, at LA a couple weeks ago, the, the, the two people sitting on the middle and window seat already had masks on, like the, the, the cotton, like the, 
cloth masks. So the flight to go out there was still pretty full. It was it was a full flight, but uh, there was many more masks. Not not the paper dust masks. These were they looked like washable type. So the the, the lady and and a gentleman were wearing those. And before I sat down, the lady said, "Look, look, I I wiped everything down with a antibacterial wipe." I was like, "Oh yeah." I said, "Thank you. This is great." Didn't need to do that because I. In my mind, it's like, well, you don't need to do that. That's nice of you, but I don't really care. Like, who cares about this? Like, I almost did a little bit of an eye roll when I saw them. Like, oh, okay. They're not doing anything wrong. It's just, I think it's maybe... At that time, I don't, I don't know what, what was happening. And I thought that flight was great because people weren't, weren't like getting too crazy. Made it out on time, no delays. So I thought, oh, great flight. So now, fast forward a couple of weeks... I go to Detroit to drop off the rental car, and there's one person wo- working, and she's the person checking in the, the cars, and then she asks me what terminal I'm going to, so I, I tell her. She just disappears and comes back in a minivan to take me to the terminal, because it, oh, really? it was okay. a satellite lot. Whereas if you remember from LAX, the rental car lots are satellite and you take a shuttle back and forth. Detroit's set up a similar way now. All the rental cars are like a short shuttle ride away. Maybe 10 minutes, bus by, bu- by bus. But I was just in a minivan, and it was just me. So unusual. And she said that like, she's doing the double duty because a lot of people were called off or just sick, and they're short people. But that, that job is there. It, it is essential to get people from point A to point B in, in the sense that it could be, you don't know who the travelers are, and some, some people do need to get, if, they, if those people are working essential jobs, then your job is essential because you're helping them get, to where they need to go. Well, and I've been wondering, I mean, uh, to what extent, if any, is like Uber and Lyft even operating right now? I wonder that too. And I, I couldn't find out exactly what the Ubering situation would be when I landed. But luckily, it was still in place. Oh, because you took an Uber to get Yes, get to get back, back here. Yeah. So when I get to the terminal, it's empty. The ticketing section, I had to check my bag. I did it all online, but it was just to physically drop off the bag, get it weighed and dropped off. There was no one there except the people working there. I didn't see anybody. I saw a handful of people like lingering outside. But first of all, when I when the lady dropped me off at the terminal, a guy just immediately came up to the car and like was trying to put his bag in before my bag could be taken out. So I thought that was a little weird. But he had said he was been he had been waiting there over an hour and the la- and the la- the driver said she was like just book like they try to do every five minutes but she's the only person working and he was the only other guy waiting there so by default like you're gonna have to wait which i'm glad it wasn't me waiting at the car rental place because i would have missed my flight if i waited an hour less people traveling there's less justification to have workers and then when people do need to get somewhere like this situation they're gonna have to wait so wait time is gonna go up but luckily from my point of view i went to the booth just walked right up. The lady weighed my bag. I was already concerned that I was going to be overweight because I did. I because did have, you bought food. While, because I bought food in Ohio to bring back here. Because <laughs> um, I was worried. Like I said, that, that day, right off the work, I went to Costco. I was there until they closed. I was trying to conserve weight but get the most, like the most amount of calorie food, high calorie foods. In the smallest package, and your Costco sizes are huge. And sorry, back to the airport story. We get there, my bag's overweight, and I thought, oh, I'm gonna have to pay extra. I'm gonna take it. It's only overweight by a few pounds, but historically, if if it wasn't 50 pounds or less, I would have to take something out. Like they would not accept the bag. I thought they they just charge you up the ass, basically, some huge uh, penalty. Yeah. 
because I only did that once so long ago, I just never did it again because it was such a pain. To, so I had to open up my bag, at least at that time, open up my bag and take something out that I made weight <laughs> and then got it. But this lady just slapped on a sticker that said heavy and then took it. No, no upcharge, nothing. So I thought, wow, if I knew that, I would have put even more things. <laughs> and uh, you know, I walked through the airport and there's very few people. And this is noon on, on a weekend. And it, it, was, it looked like that airport was 2 a.m. Yeah. A lot of the, the shops and restaurants were closed. Very few people out. Very few workers out. It was quiet. Very eerie. And then the boarding process was just seamless. No, no line inside the plane. Just walk in, put your bag up, sit down, let's go. When they called out the different boarding I don't know, hierarchies. That's, I was going to ask if they even did that. It was like lumped, like, all right, disabled people, just come on board. And then the active military personnel. It happened so quickly that they were calling it like main cabins, like whatever group number, one through whatever, one through four. You come up, whereas normally it's one at a time. We all boarded within like five minutes. And I think I sent, I sent you a, a video. There was no one around me except for the flight attendant in my area. Okay, so there were some other people on the plane. It was just... They were so far away, I couldn't even see them. And okay. later throughout the flight, people were moving around. So when I, 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 took, I took a nap, and when I woke up, there was a guy on the other, across the, the aisleway. But that was the best, one of the best flights I've ever taken because they didn't do the whole spiel of uh, like all the, the like all the safety stuff. Their, their presentation and it just felt like a lot of ad, like ads, like oh, fly with us, we're the best. All all they said was like, here's where the exits are, like very just to the point. Here's where the exits are. Make sure you listen to us if there's an emergency. Like very very short, like just the person, the the attendant said that. And I think they played a little bit of a video, but it was a shorter version. Like it wasn't a lot of noise. So which I thought was very considerate. So much of flying is terrible. But one of the worst parts is when you're sitting on the plane waiting to actually take off and they go through all that stupid nonsense. We skipped all that and it was amazing. Well it must feel, I guess, at least much more informal for there yes. to be so few people you know, and I liked that. So when it came time to getting meals, it, nothing felt rushed, and because of the so few people, the attendant came by. It's like, hey man, like you want anything? And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm okay. I, I've got, I've got plenty of water. It's like, well, if you, if you want a beer, just let me know. Everything's free. I'm like, oh, that's that's really nice, but I'm fine. He's like, are you sure? Like, it, like it's free. Like it's legit free. Like you can have whatever you want. I had, I wasn't in the mood for beer. No, I said, yeah, sure, I'll take some. But I needed to sleep and. I just didn't want one. But that was just such a pleasant experience. And I realized like, other people are the problem. <laughs> Flying is so much better when there's no one around. Oh, yeah. Why don't you just take private jets all the time? Yeah, I should just do that. Yeah. I don't know why I haven't done that. And my, my, my seat selection coming when I booked, when I booked this trip, because I waited to the last week, selection wasn't that great. So I had a middle seat. But there was no one on either side. So or had, the seats in front, or, or the seats, seats behind, or, or the seats in front of those. Several rows in front to the side. There must have been like a 20-foot distance between myself and another passenger. Well, that's good because you're meeting the social distancing yeah. guidelines then. Ten-fold. Like I was sneezing, coughing without... No, I'm not sneezing. <laughs> but it was very... Imagine how much money the airline lost on that flight. To have so few people on that plane? I don't know. Well, on that flight, at least there was a few people, but I know the airlines have been flying some empty planes. 
Have you, do you hear about this? No, I didn't. Because there are federal regulations that require them to make so many flights between cities. Otherwise, they risk losing whatever dibs or rights that they have and because it's treated it. like a, it's, it's treated like that airspace needs to be bid for, like that space at the exactly yes. So that's right. So you have you have airlines who are on the verge of bankruptcy, flying empty planes around, you know, from city to city just to meet these rules. That's an example of some of these rules that it's like I don't know if they've suspended that. I heard that as recent, not that long ago. Unless that's changed, if that's changed, and it was in the past few days. But that's wow. an example of some of the nonsense, like crazy stuff that's going on. Because it right justifies now. the 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 airport personnel, the departure and the the, the destination airport. Because you need I, people there to work it, and I, I think the reasoning behind the regulation is essentially so that they don't have that route, but then hardly fly any planes, so that they can keep the price high. Okay. Right, so it's like you, whatever process there is for you to get that route or the rights to, to have that route, make fewer trips so that you could charge more per trip to yeah. try and get the most money. So they have these rules to defend against that, but then that requires them to make these ghost flights, that's essentially true. in a situation wow. like this. So yeah, that's pretty wild. And because we're going to end up bailing them out, we're paying for it. <laughs> a lot of my friends, it's like the, the Corona reveal something about your personality whether you are overly cautious or just yeah, don't, don't give a f- well see what my personality there's a little bit of a, a conflict going on here which is and on the one hand i have a very strong just disregard for authority <laughs> but on the other hand i also don't want yeah i mean i, I so i have two uh, elderly grandparents who are still around and also you have other health issues, so they're like at the highest risk. And even also my parents, because it's like you're you're reading about this stuff, mm-hmm. and even people in their forties, fifties are in really really bad shape. Who well, even our it. age, it's a, it is a above zero chance of of dying. With- it is it is above zero. I still think because we're in, well, I'm in less good of health right now. That's a whole other. I'm in much gooder health. You're in gooder health than me. Uh, but to point, it's just you know the people who I have in my life are more the reason why you know I'm, I'm, I'm basically I'm, I'm thinking about the, the people in my life who I, I want to protect, and I know other people have their own people they're trying to protect. So it's like all right, let's just and plus the way that I I live, you didn't have to change life, much. I didn't have to change. That says a lot about me that they're like implementing all of these draconian things. They're like, oh, you're not allowed to go out and do this or that, and my life barely changed basically. Yeah. That's uh, exactly how I felt because they say, "Oh, like all oh, the gyms are closed." Well, the gyms closing down did did hurt because we we do have a very nice gym facility at work, and that had to be closed. But we, oh, really? So the, yeah, even so, the work one they closed. Oh, at, at work it is not only essential personnel and work only. Well, everybody keeps talking about the whole flattening the curve thing. I'm sure even you've seen that, right? Flattening, flattening the curve. curve. Have you heard that expression? No, I haven't. How does stuff like this never get to you? Like, where uh, you spend all that time... Well, I know you haven't spent time on your phone lately because of the work thing, but I still don't know how you haven't heard that. It's like, every, blah, 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 flatten the curve, flatten the curve. That's Everybody no, keeps saying that. You're the first one. Flatten what curve? This is amazing to me that this has not reached you. So this is like the whole... This is what everybody keeps talking about to justify the extreme quarantines and lockdowns is essentially so you have if you if you you think about it like plotting the number of people who are infected and need to be hospitalized right 
Oh, okay. So you're trying to, even if the same number of people get infected more or less. Yeah, it's just limited exposure. And then the point is, even if it's the area under the curve is the same, because the same number of people get sick, you want the curve to be as wide as possible. So you don't want everybody to get sick at once. You don't want a steep curve. You want it to be spread out. Okay. So that's the idea with this is if you have the attitude of like, well, if we're going to get sick anyways, what's the point? Let's almost just get it over and done with. There are some people who have this attitude, right? So people are trying to explain to them, like, we can't all get sick at once because there's nowhere near enough capacity in the hospitals is the problem. So if you have it, don't give it to me. If I have it's it. It's way more likely that you have it than I don't based on the fact that yes. you've flown twice, you know. Yeah. And been in contact with like hundreds of people. And been in contact with way more people than I have. Good luck. I don't want to fear monger or even get into everything that we were talking about privately before recording, but I'm one of these people on the distribution of responses to this whole situation. You know, you've got the, the, it's just the flu people. And still there are people who are saying this is all a bunch of, you know, made up fake news. Not necessarily. There are a lot of people who think it's an extreme overreaction still. Yeah. Not only do I understand the risk, the like direct immediate risks of the virus because of the fact that it would overwhelm our health care system because the numbers are like just crazy because the the R0 value of like how many people you can infect and how how like just how quickly this can grow are out of control. So I, I'm, I'm thinking not only about that, I'm also just terrified of like at this point now the economic impact of everything that we're doing to stave it off which i understand the motivation behind doing but also this is going to be super painful so i am preparing for the worst i'm preparing for like doomsday i am essentially preparing for like economic doomsday like yeah. depression whatever it hopefully, could happen hopefully it doesn't happen but i i'm planning on that happening that's the biggest fear I think some people could get into this whole doomsday idea, like people who almost like welcome it. Like, yeah, I've been I've been planning for this. There's I know what to people, do. Yeah, yes. There are a lot of people who always talk about just warmly embracing a zombie apocalypse, yeah. right? That they think it would be fun. And there are people who say roll their eyes at that and they're like, oh, if it really happened, you'd. I'm not sure. I think there are a lot of people who actually would genuinely enjoy an apocalypse. And yes, I think that's probably true. I don't. There are some things about it that I think I would enjoy, but I wouldn't enjoy it the first time I get an infection and I don't have antibiotics, right? I think the, I agree with you. There's some things that I that I would enjoy, like the the staying at home aspect of only doing what's what's important, what's essential. It it just leads to like just decluttering. Like, what do I need to do that's most important? And then you just do those things, and everything else don't worry about. I like the I like the simplicity about that. But all the other the other implications of why you're staying home that's that's scary. But if we if we make it through this, I'm going full prepper. That's gonna be my 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 deal. Even if I do have to live in a city for whatever kind of career financial reasons. I'm going to have a bug out cabin. You're going to have a cabin. I'm going to have a secret cabin in, in Missouri location that I can get to. I mean, I'm serious because a 10 by 10 cabin with a coal stove, a wooden stove. Is that a reference to something? Yeah, that is. What is that a reference to? That is the Unabomber's cabin. Oh, okay. But instead of the Unabomber, I made this joke before you gave me the Unifarmer. Yeah, I'm going to be the Unifarmer for sure. 
The thing is, the just the flu people have an interesting point in the sense that, okay, yeah, this is not a normal flu. It's objectively much worse. And there is this risk of healthcare being overwhelmed and everything. But it, it is interesting that it is like, this is not a, some super virus like Ebola or something that you see in a science fiction movie like Outbreak or Contagion. This is disproportionately affecting older populations and people with, who already have pre-existing, pre-existing conditions. conditions of some kind. And the mortality rate, even on the super high end of like, you know, if you're 80 years old, still might only be 10 to 15%. I say only, I know that's still... It's all relative, right? Yes. But it's just... It is a low number compared to 50%. I don't think many people ever would have realized that a disease with these numbers could essentially collapse the whole world, is what I would say. Probably only a very tiny percentage of people who were like really understand healthcare and, and public health and that would look at the... If you presented the data infection rates and mortality and all that kind of stuff. Most people look at this and think like, oh, it's no big deal. Not that big of a deal. So in my mind, it's like when you see what happens just with this kind of a, of a virus, imagine what would happen if there was actually I don't one of these viruses that. that everybody worries about. Because if this is what happens for the coronavirus, I think if we had one of those viruses, every that would be a legitimate collapse of civilization. Like, I th- I think that's all bets off. That's every man for himself. Hopefully you own a gun because you're on your own. I-, 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 I think that's what that would turn into. I don't like to think about that because a lot of it, co- it may- reminds me of like the somewhat far-fetched but not that distant future Black Mirror or Rick and Morty episodes. When there has been a super virus like Ebola that actually is not spread around very much. It stayed very well contained. And part of the reason is that it's so deadly that you just don't even infect that many people because you die so quickly and you show such terrible symptoms so quickly that it's easier to isolate and everything. Yeah, even uh, early on, yeah. So I, I guess one counter to that maybe is maybe the, the super extreme viruses could conceivably be less of a threat than this. It's almost like this found the perfect sweet spot of it seems harmless harmless enough to most people that people didn't take it seriously at first. It spread around a whole bunch. But in reality, it was just dangerous enough to totally screw over everything. And it just found that sweet spot. And I think that's why there are some people coming from this, from more of the conspiracy camp saying, like, this must have been engineered and this leaked out from a lab and everything. Because it seems too good to be, not too too good to be true sounds bad, but it seems just like perfectly... It is very effective because it... it it hit where it hurt most. When you said it, find, it found the fine line between balancing how the human response to it, meaning like the human, not, not as in a biological way, but the, the social response to it. Oh, I don't care, it's just the flu. Like, who cares? I get sick, let's be over with it. No big deal. Not taking it as seriously. Whereas it's not as deadly to the point where if you got it, you're like, game over. Don't even come near me. You're gonna die. I, I read something on social media. The people who like don't care about Corona or like think, oh, it's just a, it's just a flu, no big deal. Like I'm gonna continue to go to spring break. Those types of people are the same types of people that would hide their zombie bite. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. 
Because uh, they get put and they just hide it until they get sick. And it's like, oh, well, shit, you're infected. Now we've got you here. Now we got to kill you. And then they start getting all like, no. If you get bit, you got to speak up. Like you're really dead. Just... Everybody always thinks they're the one who's going to be immune, though. I don't know. Like, if I get it, this will be rough. If I do get sick, I don't think I'll even want to go to the doctor. So it was interesting. When I, when I went to the doctor last week, because I've got something going on, So I, went to, I knew I didn't want to go to an emergency room. And I was like, I don't want to be anywhere near that. So it, it plus also for just because it's cheaper and everything, I, I went to an urgent care clinic. And on the, on the door, there was a sign saying, like, if you think you have coronavirus, do not come in. And the sign said... It was basically like, wait in your car, call this number. And I, I can't even remember if they were doing it there. It might have said, drive to this hospital, call this number, stay in your car. And then someone would come out uh, to you. test you in your car. But I just, uh, you know, it's kind of funny that like, before you even get in the thing, it was like, stop. If you're coming here to get tested for coronavirus, don't even come in. <laughs> like, we don't, we don't want you in here. And then on, on the inside, everybody who's working there is wearing masks, of course. Uh, so yeah, it's just, it'll be really, I mean, first of all, it'll be interesting to see if we get noticeably sick with a cold, like, you know, something that, that seems like it, but if we make it through this whole deal without obviously showing symptoms of something that sounds like coronavirus, I still, I want to be tested for like the antibodies after this all is done to see if I ever got it without knowing. That's what I really want to know. Wow, okay. Because I think a lot of people will be in that camp when everything's said and done, especially younger people. Yeah, people I, I want age. that too. I'll be curious to see if I got it. And actually, I'm, I'm sure there will be, I would imagine, that we're going to want to learn from this. So you would think there would be some kind of widespread testing of of people like that of the general population to try and learn about how many people did get infected. You know, I, I, I thought about this and I think there's two ways it could go. One is the way you're thinking and really benefit from it. Or a second way is if you collect a lot of data on people, basically everybody bring your DNA. Let's see what, let's see what you've got in terms of antibodies and other genetic markers. But if that info got into the wrong hands of, I don't think you need that kind of that kind of detail, though. All I'm saying is—is is that how it works? Or am I, am I no, I, I think you can. I think there's a way to just do a pass fail for those for the specific okay. like antibodies. Y- do you get what I'm? What I was? What I understand I was where down. you're going. Yeah, I understand where you're going. It's one of those risks always that it's like, is the medicine going to be worse than the disease? Yeah, metaphorically, like, like that sort of deal. Uh, and that's also one of my concerns about the response here of course and there are a lot of a lot of people worrying about this are some of the bills that we pass in response to this going to stick around for way longer than they should kind of like the whole 9-11 deal of like something bad happens and then you pass laws in response to that that never go away even though they should probably only be temporary i'll just you know that's a risk it's a risk so one of those of course, could be like, oh, you know, we need to have better medical data on people so that this kind of thing doesn't happen in the future. So we're going to launch this program for what? Yeah, I, I mean, like that. who knows? How about the fact that there's, well, I don't know, probably shouldn't even get into this. Is this a topic or is it it's not even podcast friendly? Well, I try, I try to avoid talking about politics, but it, it is so interesting to think about the fact that this is an election year and just the implications of that. Yeah. And this could be nuts. 
I think just recognizing that fact is that says it enough because people can get a little squirrely. I mean, fortunately, I mean, we are looking at November. I, I don't think that's that that's not that far away. Yeah. I mean, when you think about just when you think about the process of voting that we have of standing in line next to people and then using voting machines, touching. We're going to do it by text over again. Well, I mean, that's. So the obvious suggestion is, of course, well, let's vote remotely. Send a Snapchat to this. But there's all kinds of issues with any kind of digital voting system. I have huge concerns with that. We could do, we could do like everybody votes absentee. If basically everyone fills out like an absentee voting thing on paper, we might not know who's president for like months. Can you imagine how long that would take? No, that, that's a disaster. If we can't use voting machines in person and instead everybody has to do it by mail, that would, I mean... They would just extend the term until the new one could be found. April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. Eight months. I don't know, man. They would just extend, like, give Trump another year until they figure oh, it out. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that that's what would happen uh the tough situation is like you could very easily make the argument that it's like unsafe <laughs> to hold an election but of course i don't think anybody thinks that it's democratic or fair or anything to do something like that like oh well we have to extend at, once you start changing rules about like elections and that is such a dangerous precedent to set I mean, there's still elections and wars, right? Oh, I don't know about that. You you know more about it. I think I think coming up with a solution that avoids a lot a lot of people going to vote in one specific location, doing it online has to be the next. I step. don't think we can do it online. I don't think someone we can may do try it and figure something out. That is so risky. That's. S- like say what you will about like the old school poking a hole in those a piece are foolproof. Yep, they're foolproof because you can't remotely f with things. <sighs> yeah, I I have I have major concerns about doing anything uh, digitally. You just don't vote. Take yourself out of the game. How does that solve the problem in it, any way? It doesn't. See the the problem. I'm the kind of person who likes to make predictions about stuff and then to see how they turn out. So I'd really like to make some predictions about how long this is going to last and everything. But I don't even know what... What to predict? So the obvious prediction... Okay, when is this going to be over? That's a question that everybody's asking. And what do you even... How, what does over even mean? How is that defined? I think it's very subjective and it may be like an iterative thing because the longer people stay at home... The longer people go without, like, a lot of people just don't even have jobs, right? We, we were talking about this before, before the show. A lot of people don't have jobs. And I think, I think this is, this is, this is the, the scary part of it, is the unknown, and it may never be over. I mean, eventually it'll effectively be over, but that but could take... that changes the, like, the way the world works and how it once was. Like, this is... Oh, in that sense, I think yeah. that's true. It, so when it, you say over, this, it will never return to that. It'll reach a new steady state or new equilibrium for different. However, in terms of like certain regulations, policies, or even policies, the way the way like the population itself behaviors. Like, yes, I think this is only going to accelerate quite a few trends. Like telecommuting is going to be a big deal now because a lot of people who are maybe more germophobic, they will not leave the house and they will find jobs that they don't have to go out, basically live in a bubble. The best case scenario coming out of this, we do actually 
kind of get things under control. Low estimates of death end up being what happens. Vaccine gets developed and deployed. Then if that happens and there's some sort of way to get immunity from it, then that'll bring... Economy stabilizes and we all take a long, hard look in the mirror and make a bunch of positive changes. So that's like best case scenario. I don't think that's I don't think that's real likely, but it is possible. Uh, I don't think any of that's going to happen. It's it's possible. It is possible, but probably, probably unlikely. I'm prepared for I'm prepared for anything. I'm prepared to have to live in the woods. (laughs) And forage for food. That's what I'm preparing for. I, I'm not prepared to do that yet, but I'm getting there. 